It is Wednesday, April 20th, 2016, and you're listening to episode 42 of Roll Up and Die. So, Alex, to address your question, why, and maybe Matt knows more about this, why can Aquaman control or speak to whales when whales are mammals? Aquaman, I, I really enjoy Aquaman, actually. Uh, I don't know. I guess I've, I've always thought that Aquaman is just, it's marine life in general. You know, it's not just fish and, and mm. shellfish. It's It's anything that is marine mm. life, so... I mean, that includes whales and porpoises and things like that. So, uh, yeah, he, he's always controlling whales and, and dolphins and stuff in the comics. So I've, I've always just, I've never even really thought about that. But it's a good point. For some reason, it got stuck in my head that, that, he, that it was just a, a, a fish that he could control. And I don't well, know. I think I know, what happened. I know his, uh, his basic powers are, I mean, he's basically a telepath. So I think yeah. that the fact that he can control aquatic life isn't necessarily a restriction on his powers. It's just what he's best at because he's from Atlantis. So oh, he, that's the kind of life yeah. that he interacts with the most. And so yeah. I think there's a few examples in the comics of him using his telepathy <clears throat> to affect other creatures and not just aquatic life. But in terms of yeah. like controlling life, I think it has to be aquatic yeah. just because that's the, like the physiology that he's used to dealing with. Well, the thing is, whales and dolphins too okay, are much cool. more yeah, sophisticated. You know, so, you know, uh, uh, from a, a brain standpoint, and so right. um, maybe maybe he maybe he more requests their help than you know commands and that kind of thing. Yeah, that and that's the other thing too is that it's it's definitely like a, a empathy kind of like and he's like kind of an empath <laughs> where it's like you know hey. Uh, calling upon like Gandalf calling upon the giant eagles for help type thing you know where they they right, show right. up and help him because he's convinced yeah, them yeah. Uh, to help not necessarily that he's like you will help me controlling them yeah 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 well yeah that, no. that wouldn't be a superhero that would be a supervillain exactly yeah exactly. like in Jessica no, Jones I, I love I love Aquaman I uh, yeah. he's one of my favorites I think I I always I always dig the the heroes like the less uh, mm-hmm. prolific heroes. So I love like Flash and Aquaman and Martian Manhunter. Those are like my favorite DC guys. <laughs> I have a Martian Manhunter t-shirt because the, the Justice League of Albuquerque uh, wanted me to be Martian Manhunter because I'm tall, <laughs> but uh, I'm not so fit. Nice. So I'd be Martian Cake Eater is what I was going for. <laughs> Martian, Martian Cake Eater. Yeah. <laughs> Martian Cake Hunter. There you go. I will hunt go. cake. <laughs> <laughs> now, what is, the, what is the Justice League of Albuquerque, Barker? Well, I don't really know the answer to that question, but I will answer it anyway. Uh, I was approached by some gentlemen in cosplay, uh, dressed as Batman, Superman, Aquaman. I believe Robin was there um, at a Comic-Con event. And they're like, hello, uh, you're very tall, and we're wondering if you'd like to be Martian Manhunter. And I'm like, oh, cool. Can I have your card? And dude gives me a card. Okay, this is Batman. Gives me a card. It says Batman on it. And I, I ask him, I ask him, oh, yeah, cool. And I, I hold my hand out, and I say, uh, Michael Barker, you know, to introduce myself. And he shakes my hand and says, Batman. And they all do this. They all do it. And I'm like, Heather's looking at me like, 
you're going to freaking do this, aren't you? And I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going to do it. But then I looked up pictures uh, of the type of Martian Manhunter, I guess, that they wanted me to cosplay as. And he's showing just a vicious six pack. Oh, dude. Yeah. And uh, like, yeah. He's got oh, the he's got the red suspenders and then just oh, the yeah. just he's just built underneath. We're gonna have to cut to a training montage between now and the next Comic Con. <laughs> sit ups and crunches. <laughs> that's it. Uh, the uh, but that's where I got my T-shirt. I was like, I'm gonna be Martian Manhunter, and I got the T-shirt, and I was like, Oh God, I can't do that. So I'll, I'll just buy this T-shirt and not become Martian Manhunter. But you should, you should read some Martian Manhunter comics at some point, man. He's a cool character. You know, I, I've, I'm, yeah, I'm probably going to. I, I like, uh, I, I've been starting to dig into comic books recently, and um, I, you know, I used to read uh, of quite a few more. The couple that I really enjoyed went away, so I got really disappointed, and I kind of stopped reading them until hmm. 2005-ish when I read Civil War, which was awesome, and uh, I read hmm. a lot of Punisher between 2005 and 2012-ish, and. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I, that's probably my my bread and butter. Nice. Have you seen the new Punisher yet on uh, yes. on Daredevil? Yeah, I have. It's good. He's good. Yeah, I enjoy. He's I enjoy. Good. I enjoy the casting. I like. Ah, man, I'm probably gonna get stoned here. I like Tom Jane as my mm-hmm. Punisher. No, yeah. I I enjoyed. The, here's the thing: the Tom Jane Punisher movie wasn't a good movie, but he was a good Punisher. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, yeah. they got yeah. the casting right. It's just the movie wasn't eh, wasn't that good. But there's actually a, a short. I think you you recently yeah. saw it, Barker. It's called um, Laundry Day or something something similar to that. Dirty. It's and Dirty it's Laundry or Dirty Laundry. laundry. Day. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but it's Tom Jane reprising his role as the Punisher. But it's like dead on like perfect Punisher. Like they actually yes. got like the tone of it right. It's really great. It's really nice. great. Ron Perlman's in it. Yeah, he's in it. He he plays a dude in a wheelchair. He's real nice. Yeah, he, like all of a sudden you're just like, whoa, Ron Perlman. <laughs> That's Ron Perlman. This ten minute movie is a big budget. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, uh, but lately actually my my thing that I've enjoyed doing is watching the show Vikings. Yeah. Oh, have you guys have you seen show. that? Oh Vikings man, is awesome. yeah, I love Vikings. Yeah, I I love show. I love. Uh, grand strategy games and i love history we all talk about that blah 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 but uh ragnar lodbrook is one of just mm-hmm. a really cool character from history and it's neat seeing them portray him in uh in the show uh especially yeah. when you know how it ends but what i end up doing is i end up i've gosh i've been working out for about three weeks and uh like really hard and i put on vikings while i'm working out in the morning like nothing gets me just working my ass off more than seeing all these freaking dudes who just like they're they are the epitome of the human prototype. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, know, Matt, when like, Rollo yeah, doesn't like, have a shirt on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're just like yeah, yeah. Well, I'm probably done. I could probably just do two sets, and then you look up and you see seven foot tall Rollo just walking around without a shirt <laughs> off, and you're like, No, I could do one more set. No, I can do a little bit more. <laughs> But no, that that that's yeah, that show's really awesome. And um, just in the AbTab group the other day, I asked, uh, I p- posted up a question at the Absolute Tabletop official group. I asked, you know, what TV shows influence you uh, for your mm. games recently? And Vikings is a huge one for me. Um, what about you guys uh, when it comes to recent television? Uh, actually, there's there's a there's a new show out uh, called Magicians. Have you seen that? No. It's it's kind of it's kind of like. 
uh, I guess I guess you call it kind of an adult version of Harry Potter, uh, where there's this sort of subculture of of uh, of uh, like wizards who who you know operate within our world that kind of thing, and uh, uh, I've only seen actually like the first uh, couple so far. I've only just discovered it, but uh, um, they 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 kind of find people who have this innate power, and then they're recruited to this school to learn you know how to use. Uh, use their magic and so forth and so that that's that's kind of it's kind of a, again like has has kind of a slight harry potter feel to it but it's definitely more adult dark you know kind of thing that's so cool. yeah that, that that's if you get a chance to hit magicians it's very yeah very neat i find awesome. that w- check it out i find that one thing that's happening is that all the things we loved as kids uh, mm-hmm. are now being reborn in ways like the pokemon card game is coming back with a vengeance because we're all the cr- we're the creators now, like we're mm, the deciders yeah. of of what is is important in the creative world, and it's what like made, yeah. I want freaking superheroes everywhere, you know. And well, yeah. and now and now we have money, like we're we're consumers as well. <laughs> yes, so exactly. you know, these, it's like, hey, you know, all those Pokemon cards <laughs> that I wasn't able to buy when I was eleven years old. Well, now I have a job, <laughs> so I can buy Pokemon cards. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh man, it took all my restraint to not buy Pokemon cards uh, yesterday at my friendly local gaming store. You know, so. I uh, I recently got some Pokemon cards actually because my my cousin was getting back into it, and we mm-hmm. we play Magic the Gathering whenever we get together and stuff. And he was really getting into Pokemon. I was like, ah, I'll buy I'll buy a deck so we can play together. And this was you know two years ago or something, so it wasn't super recent. But the cards just weren't the same. They were. They looked different. The art was really different. Like the art was all digital. Like it was all hmm. like modeled. Does that make sense? Like it wasn't yeah. like actual two dimensional art. It was like three D oh, yeah. modeled mm-hmm. characters. Like they came out of the video game. Kind of it looked like. Yeah. Oh. And the cards just did weird things. And there was like fifteen extra elements that I'm not used to. And so I'm just like, what? What is like? What is this? I'm. I just want a, a deck with Pikachu and Raichu in it, like with lightning. That's all I want. I that's like. All I that's all do. I need, you know. But now I got friggin'. What's this thing? This thing has two heads and it's it's using s- purple steel dragon energy. I don't even know what's happening right now. <laughs> what are they? What are they, What kind of crazy Pokemon are these kids into today? I know. Get so off I my feel, lawn. Now, now I feel like my parents because I'm like Pokemon. How <laughs> many of these things? Back are in my day, we only had four elements. Monsters. <laughs> and there were 151 Pokemon. That's it. Only 151. <laughs> I, I felt the same way. Uh, I went and I, I bought, instead of buying Pokemon, I bought Magic the Gathering. I bought a, an intro oh, pack. Yeah. And I sat down in the, the gaming store, and they were doing a sealed tournament while, while I was just sitting there. And I got these cards, and I was like, oh, cool. I want to build a deck like this. So I went and I bought some more cards. And I was like, oh, I don't have th- as many cards as I want. So I went and I bought more cards. And all of a sudden, I find myself in front of this large table like a picnic table this thing and it's just filled with cards and my buddy bob who works there came over to me and i looked up at him and i said bob i'm drowning i need your help (laughs) throw me a rope here and and i just i got so lost there's freaking like a colorless mana now like an actual colorless yeah i don't want to get too much into that but yeah you know you you stay out of the game a little while you end up and, and you try to get back into it you know, and this is anything, not just magic. Yeah. You go a little mad, I'd say. Yeah, it's it's true. Mm. It affects your that is true. your brain chemistry even. 
would you say, Alex, that it drives you insane? It does. (laughs) (laughs) It's sane in the membrane! It's sane in the brain! (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, everybody, to Roll Up and Die, your uh, proven-to-be-insane RPG podcast. My name is Barker. My name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. And today we are talking about madness in role-playing games. Uh, Insane characters, characters that have gone mad, uh, and how to uh, do it and maybe, maybe how to not do it. But this isn't really my expertise. I feel like, Alex, I feel like you might have some sort of uh, expertise in this subject. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about madness and what you do with it? In madness? No, madness. <laughs> no the um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well, I, obviously, it's very prominent in games like Call of Cthulhu, which you know uh, I'm very into right now. Um, but uh, but it can also extend to almost any any role playing game. Like um, I think you know we've talked before about how um, you know you guys kind of goof on me a little bit because I'm into you know more darker horror sort of based games but i think that when on a real level a lot of games are almost horror you know if you look at uh you know your typical D &D session you know that would be terrifying to most people you know you're going into the underdark to to hunt some sort of unspeakable evil uh steal its treasure and and uh and hopefully make it back out alive or you know you go into something like the tomb of horrors which is pretty much designed to make you insane you know to 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 wish you were dead (laughs) you know that kind of thing and so i think that it's the idea of the character's sanity even in something as um uh fantasy based as D &D is is underused at least uh in role playing because a lot of people don't think about how these traumatic events you know i just saw my my companion die that I've been with for all this time I just you know I just killed these things I just confronted a dragon that was the that was the size of a building <laughs> and it's intelligent brilliantly so it has the power to destroy me with with a breath and and you know the the the, the um the literal awesomeness of that in in the original sense of the word you know is enough to drive someone mad so I think um Looking into uh, how characters handle these sort of things and how it can affect their their sanity, you know, um, is 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 important beyond you know games where it's typically associated like Call of Cthulhu, where you confront these these outside horrors. I think there are a lot of games where you're where you're confronted by things that um, are going to challenge your your uh, your basic sanity. Now, for someone who's never played Call of Cthulhu, uh, mm-hmm. well, I mean, I've played a Cthulhu-ish <clears throat> game, but it was using uh, the Ubiquity system with you, Alex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when it comes to, like, how to insert these things into the game mechanically versus mm-hmm. narratively, you know, we just talked about this on the guns episode. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I try to find, like, all right, what are the extremes? The extreme yeah. is leave it up to the players to role play their insanity. Uh, mm-hmm. And the other extreme on the opposite side is, nope, you have a stat that, that's your in- insanity number and you 
You right. know, you lose points based on what that number is. So I like to find like a balance in the middle. Where does mm-hmm. Call of Cthulhu lie in terms of insanity? How does that mechanic work for those of us who have no idea how that mechanic works? Well, uh, it, well it kind of varies by yeah. edition, right? But in it does. it's usually a stat and you roll it, and but it also gets affected by different things, almost like a hit point pool. I'm mm-hmm. sure Alex can talk <clears> more about it, but... Yeah, it, 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 it's kind of like hit points. Uh, your sanity can go down and up. Um, it can take a lot longer to repair sanity once it's been once it's been damaged, of course. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, and of course, when you're making a roll to to avoid going more insane, you're using your sanity check. So it, it's kind of like a slippery slope. The more the, the 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 more insane you get, the harder it is to make your sanity checks. So um, you can you can descend into madness fairly quickly. Um, but uh, there's also features in it, at least in the, se- you know, I'm, we're, I started using 7th edition. And uh, you can, uh, you know, once you become sort of uh, desensitized to some of this stuff a little bit, then it's not quite as horrific to you. For example, you know, uh, to someone who's been, in a war zone, you know, where they've seen, you know, plenty of, you know, uh, lots of death. They've seen bodies. They've seen all these things. Um, to them, seeing a dead body is uh, something different than, say, if you or I just walked into a room and found a dead body. You know, right. it would be a very different experience for us. And so once you sort of become uh, acclimated to the uh, some of these horrors, you can sort of uh, it doesn't affect you quite as, yeah, as severely. For yeah. sure. Well, well, and here's the question for both of you then. What happens when my insanity hit point total, quote unquote, hits zero? Do I turn over my character sheet to the GM? Do I have to role play my character differently? Do I start losing in other stats? Like, how does so, it work in Cthulhu? So in, in additions that I've played, um, there are things where if you take a certain amount of... Uh, sanity damage for lack of a better term Mm -hmm. if you lose a certain amount of sanity points at a time Mm -hmm. you can get different uh psychoses you can get long lasting ones you can get temporary ones almost like if you get like a critical hit against your sanity but if you if you are out of sanity completely then you are basically inconsolable you're basically a vegetable and it's possible for you to get treatment and get help but it takes months of in-game time to in order to do that and like Alex uh, mentioned, you know, it's hard to get sanity back. In Call of Cthulhu, it involves going to a psychiatrist and stuff like that. It takes, you know, weeks and months at a time in order to regain uh, sanity points. So it's not like you rest and get your sanity back. It's an actual process that you have to yeah. go through. And so most characters don't take the time, from my experience, don't take the time to do that. They just kind of whittle away at their sanity points throughout a campaign until eventually it's just too much for them. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's, that's pretty much the gist of it. And, uh, um, uh, in my campaign, I've, I've added a bit more to it where I've, um, I've made, in, I've made, insa- you know, sanity and insanity sort of part of the, um, uh, sort of the awareness of, of the supernatural. So, the more, the more insane you are, the more supernatural things you can see. So yep. the things you the things you see are real, 
but they um we have to almost be more insane to see them if that makes exactly. sense. exactly yeah for it's sure. like your your eyes are opened you know yeah. and you you see things for what they are and so many times in like a game like call of cthulhu um having <laughs> seeing those things there are benefits as well as downsides like your your cthulhu mythos skill will go up but your sanity will go down yeah. and so it's like you understand you 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 reckon the things you know you can fathom what you were witnessing even if it's you know completely uh, aberrant you know beyond mm-hmm. our our understanding but then your cthulhu mythos goes up as well and so you're able right. to better recognize those things and so you know an insane person in a game like call of cthulhu you might bring them to a crime scene because you're like hey we don't understand what's happening here you're clearly insane, mm-hmm. but you've seen stuff like this before, you know? And so a character like right. that could be useful in a game like Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. Okay, and that makes sense. And so maybe they're insane because to everyone else, it's like you're talking about stuff that's not there. So that's why yeah. we yeah. think you're insane. Yeah, right. exactly. Makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Like uh, I just started running a uh, 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 my first Call of Cthulhu campaign in quite a while. I mean, I've run one shots, but this is the first, you know, real campaign I've I've started in in, in a long time, and uh, the first session went really well. Uh, one of the characters, they all the three characters had had just encountered something rather horrific, and and they 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 made their way to a little dive bar, and they're sort of sitting there trying to trying to discuss it and cope with what they've seen, and in in uh, in in one of the characters' field line of vision. There was this old TV set, like up on up in the corner, you know, and it was like uh, an old, uh, you know, an old Zenith television, like from the from the eighties, and oh, you know, yeah. just, so it, yeah, and, with the wood, it's know, like inside a cabinet. Yeah, yeah, and there's there's lots of static and stuff like that, and and it, you know, I'm describing it to them, and so yeah, you see that they have some news program on, you know, uh, uh, one you've seen before, and uh, so as they're talking, I say. Out of the corner of your eye, you see uh, Wolf Blitzer on the screen, and he's bleeding from his eyes. He says, what? I look. He's not bleeding from his eyes. He's oh, not? Nice. No, he's not bleeding from his eyes. Oh, okay. <laughs> and they start talking again, and and then all of a sudden, it's, it, you know, I, 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 those little crawls they have at the bottom of the news screen. I say, uh, you see your name on the screen. As you sort of glance, it says, you know, so-and-so is, is going insane. And, and you look up and see, and doesn't say that <laughs> you know so yeah they, they, <laughs> that's awesome they, they, so they, they slowly begin to kind of see these um kind of hallucinations that uh they begin eating at them and and it, so part part of i think really selling that kind of insanity is because it is something that's outside of out of a person's control yeah. by definition that it is important um, it, it's it's it kind of goes against one of the key rules of a GM to sort of impose your um, ideas onto a onto a player's character, but it, you kind of have to with insanity a little bit. Mm-hmm. But if you do it like that, you know, and then let them run with it, you know, it it can be fun. It doesn't really take away too much of their agency, but they they're sort of, um, you know, still, you know, in control for the most part. Yeah. And there, like, there are a lot of ways that you can do things like that. I think, uh, for me, the biggest inspiration when dealing with sanity and with dealing with things that would cause someone to start to question their sanity, there's a, a video game called Eternal Darkness. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was for the Nintendo GameCube, and it was this psychological horror game that 
like took place over several centuries and you would play different characters over this time period all trying to solve this mystery <clears throat> but the thing that the game did was it used meta uh effects like things that weren't happening in the game but that were happening in the real world like it would <laughs> make it sound like someone was knocking at your front door or it would turn your tv off and then turn it back on or it would uh it would act like the game had crashed without saving but then come uh-huh. back up or your character would just instantly die and then start back right where they were alive you know and so you as a player were going what the hell is going on this game is freaking me out yep. and you <laughs> nice. can do that sort of thing with a game like call of cthulhu or any mm. game where you're trying to yeah. uh you know make the players and the characters question their sanity is do things like that alex where you you say something and they go wait what and you go no i I didn't say that no that you you don't see anything like that that. don't worry about it you know and it's just it's so fun to do if if you have fun with it and it's i love it it's one of my favorite things to do that's why i love playing call of cthulhu that's a really cool uh a reference to that 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 just reminded me of it's one of my favorite movies it's called stay uh, it it mm-hmm. has Ewan McGregor and Naomi Watts and Ryan Gosling and no one the hell has ever heard of it. And but you really should try to find it and watch it. It's really great and it's it's it showcases that type of insanity where while you're watching you're like wait what is happening and mm-hmm. I won't spoil the ending. But you know what your guys what you guys are describing and Matt you kind of jumped into this. You're describing video game insanity. You know yeah. the, mm-hmm. a video game has the ability to make you feel insane because the video game is in control. Right. Mm. That's the GM in this case. Feed yeah. those little things. You know, uh, Matt, you like to keep track of armor class, uh, passive perception, and hit points uh, during a D&D game. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a DM, keep track of insanity. And mm. if yeah. you look down at your sheet and you're like, you know what, this person, you know, Nick over here, he's really dropping, then start fucking with Nick. Like that, I mean, yeah. just really have fun with that because – that will create an immersive experience around the whole table, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as I said, bringing a little of this into um, other games that aren't typically associated with, like D&D. You know, right. you, don't, you don't do it for every game, but I mean, like, if a character has to do something to, you know, pretty horrific. Let's say, let's say they have to make a choice of, of, you know, killing someone that they don't want to kill. You know, to save their friends or something like that. You know, you know, some some kind of event like that. Then when they make it back to the tavern at, at the end of the adventure, they're sitting there, and uh, you know the uh, the barmaid comes up to them and and uh, and and says, uh, um, leans over with you know with drinks with him, like, and you sir, did you have to kill that person? You know, and they're like, what? I said, did you want something else? Uh, no, no, nothing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, just throw throw those things in because, again, it's 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 uh, it gives the the player really something interesting to chew on, and and develop their character and and it can make for great character scenes as, as they I you know, um, sort of maybe role play through their own therapy in a way as they talk about it. You know, I hated yeah. doing that. I, you know, I I couldn't. You know, I I can't get his his face out of my head and, you know. Uh, I didn't know what else to do. Yeah. Um, so that's a lot of that is on the GM side of things, right? You know, we're mm. talking a lot about if you're a GM, how to throw some of these things at your players. Um, yeah. Let's jump to the other side because I've had problems with this before. 
let's say I don't want to do a statistic. Let's say I don't mm-hmm. I, I don't want to put a stat in the character sheet. I don't want to measure the insanity. But I but if my you know let's say I have a player that says hey I want to play a character that's insane. Mm-hmm. And 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 this is the thing you know I I uh, I'm thinking about a very specific game that I run I ran, and it isn't. Uh, it wasn't a bad game and it wasn't a bad player. It was a great player, but it was a learning experience for me. And the difficulty that I found was that I said, I said, okay, yeah, you're playing this insane character, but this person never defined what that insanity was. Right. Yeah. And therefore they just <clears throat> did, they just did all the stuff that was opposite of what the other characters did and said, yeah. Oh, he's insane. Yeah. He's just going to do the opposite. You know, Oh, you guys want to try yep. to negotiate? I'm going to shoot the guy because I'm insane. And you know, it's like, exactly. what, what sort of guidelines do you lay out? Do you, do you make them get specific? Like, what do you guys do to avoid that pitfall? I, I would make the player be specific about what, you know, what sort of psychosis their character has, because yeah. you can't just say, Oh, I'm insane. It's like that, you know, that's, <laughs> It's not really, really how vague. mental illness works. Yeah, that's very vague. Like uh, that's an eighteen hundreds version of mental yeah, yeah, illness. exactly. Right. It's like yeah, let's uh, let's let's leech you. You'll be fine. No, but the idea that like uh, you know, I I want to play an insane character usually translates to I want to play a character that can do whatever they want without consequence. Yeah. So thinking thinking about if you want to play a character that has some sort of mental illness, whether it be something mm-hmm. you know fairly mundane and every day where it just sort of adds another layer to their character or whether it's a it's a you know debilitating psychosis mm-hmm. be specific about it you know just like you yeah. would any other aspect of your character do a little bit of research learn a little bit about it and your character will be better for it mm-hmm. so yeah I, think, I would definitely make him get specific and it would definitely help to know what the cause was even if yeah you know maybe the character doesn't know themselves the player should know what caused it you know why is this person let's take a a simple thing like a phobia you know why is this person afraid of water well maybe his 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 grandfather you know threw him into a lake to get him to swim and he almost drowned or you know whatever it happens to be but you know have a have a good reason for having the insanity don't just you know don't you know it, it it can be wonderful to add flavor to a character i mean and it doesn't have to be like over the top insanity either it can be minor stuff you know but it it it, add, it can add richness to the character, uh, and especially if you know where it originated, because that's going to give you tools to sort of play that better. You know uh, why? You know why are you afraid of water? Why uh, why are you obsessed oh, with? You guys there? Um, yep. yep. Yeah. Uh, sorry, yep. Alex. I think you got caught up, um, cut off there. <clears throat> you know, so you talk about why you're obsessed with something, why you're afraid of something. You know having that um you know that history behind it is going to make it easier for the player to play it and easier for the gm to offer really cool situations for the player to play off of because yeah, that's yeah, absolutely that's something, that, that's something cool you can do too as a gm you know play off those uh those insanities because it can make that's what's going to make the game fun yeah, yeah, and I and I wouldn't hit up Wikipedia and print out a whole thing on like a certain variety of schizophrenia and be like, <laughs> all right, everybody at the table, here's what I have, you know. But like, really, like Matt, you said, putting a little bit of thought to it, to yeah. uh, not only okay, not only will that help you to not be a dick at your gaming table by just taking the spotlight <laughs> all the time, but it will, um, it will help you develop a really cool character because yeah. all of a sudden, 
you know, that's why I like alignment in D&D. Okay, I'm, I'm not a big fan of alignment, but I, do, I like the ability to look at my character sheet and be like, you know what, this is how my character would respo- respond in this situation. Same mm-hmm. thing goes with character traits or character flaws or character backgrounds or developmental disabilities. I mean, real, real shit. And uh, I, I think that that can help just the immersion overall. I'm just such a freaking immersion hooker. But, like, I love that <laughs> stuff. So... Uh, <laughs> Dive Iowa. deep. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I am, I am. Uh, okay. What is the craziest thing you've done in a game as a GM or a player that had something to do with madness? Like the, the craziest thing you've thrown at your players or if you played a, an insane character, like what's something that is cool that you've experienced or done? It doesn't have to be you. It could be another yeah. player or GM. One of the coolest things that that I that I've seen in a game related to madness and and I think I talked about it on, on the podcast before is in um, it was in Return to the Re- Return oh, to yeah. the Tomb of Horrors, oh, yeah. where yeah. where a character had died, found that he, he in the place they were he was not going to go to his his uh, his version of of heaven or his afterlife, and and so he became in he he. The character, this, the player decided rather that his character was going to start becoming insane because of this. He couldn't take it, and so um, he started playing him that way. And of course, the other characters had to do something, you know. And so they ended up using um, oh, I forget what the spell was they use now, but uh, it was a very cr- sort of creative use of a spell that it wasn't designed to do, but to go into his dreams and try to help bring them back. So it turned into a session that I had that player. Whose, whose character was going insane? I had him, him run it since they were in his character's head, you know. Oh, so he, nice. you know, we switched roles and he took the role of of GM and and ran that session, and and it was just really cool because he he you know he he had little aspects of the character's psyche that they had to deal with, and yeah, I thought that was a very creative way to um, not only deal with you know not only coming up with the idea that 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 would drive him insane, but also to figure out a way to possibly bring him back. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that story. Yeah. That's Matt? really cool. You know, I'm sitting here racking my brain, and I can't think of anything <clears throat> that is that blew me away that you know that I've seen in a game. But something that I've always wanted to try to do is, and I I've I've never attempted this because I I'm so wary of of being. Uh, kind of gimmicky or or gotcha with the players but Mm. the idea of running a session of something like uh, a call of cthulhu's type game or or really any game where i could mess around with sort of madness and things like that but having an entire session at some point in the campaign be a hallucination or be some sort Mm -hmm. of dream um and i hate you know i Obviously, I haven't tried it because I, I I don't like the whole like oh, and it was all a dream. But being <laughs> able to do something like that in a way that is not a cop out, but in a way that allows the players to explore some different aspects of their characters and mm. see sort of almost like a what could be type situation. And so, uh, you know, maybe it would be something that would take place in a character's head, like you're talking about, Alex, or it could be a dream, or it could be a, a shared a shared dream or a hallucination right. of some kind or a vision or or merely just an alternate like hey what if this happened like a sort of other world story but mm-hmm. i want to do it in a way where the players don't know it's happening i want them to think that it's a legitimate 
session and then have it become clear not like at the very end like a twist but sort of through the course of the session they pick up on these cues and start to realize this isn't really happening we're (laughs) this is not real like there are things in here that don't make sense and so this is not an actual thing that's happening we have to find out how to wake up type situation and i i i want to someday try to pull that off but it's (laughs) it's one of those things where it's like hey someday i'll figure out how to do that (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that that's an odd. I, I see, and I love that stuff. I love yeah. hallucinations and dreams and stuff. I've never done an entire uh, session like that. Yeah, exactly. I feel like exactly. if it's open, you know, if it's if if it's not railroaded, I feel like you can really knock it out of the park. Um, yeah. The the one that I that came to mind when I after I asked the question because I wanted to hear your guys was uh, and this is the only time I really dabbled in this sort of game ever. And I might have talked about it in a previous show, but uh, basically it was the first fate game that I had ever run. And mm. it was what uh, it was based on these this thing I saw on Facebook. It was like 20 uh, horror stories told in one hmm. sentence. Uh, so they were told in one sentence and I, they were terrifying. Like some of these were just so terrifying. And uh, I saw one that said, it's dark in here. It's cold. I can't move. I can't see. Um, if if I could go back, I would have been cremated instead. Oh, and yeah. when I read that, I just got chills all over my body and I was like, I have to run a game for some reason. <laughs> and what we did is I ran a fate game where these two players, my two players uh, currently uh, at that time, they were my home group. They played themselves in 10 years, uh, 10 mm. years from now in Albuquerque, you know, where we were, where they live and I had died. And so they were in, it was this real, two realities, two parallel dimensions were merging and they could see ghosts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But the cool thing that I, that I, that I, th- I think it was really cool. And what I did with the madness stuff is I would go around Albuquerque and I would find actual places and, totally mess with the players when uh, on our off days like in the time when we weren't playing i (laughs) I, and i told them i was going to do this just in case so they wouldn't call the cops but i uh (laughs) i I found an unused grave plot uh at a local cemetery and i sent a text message from like with a gps location and i sent that text message that horror sentence that i read to you that i said to you guys earlier mm-hmm. and i sent that to one of the players and thankfully he knew it was going on or else he would have totally called the cops on me but uh <laughs> i just did various things like that when it wasn't when the game wasn't happening <clears throat> and it went when it was time mm-hmm. to sit down and actually play the game it was just that much more intense because of all, all this stuff had been happening for this, yeah. you know, previous six days. See, I love that. That's I awesome. love that. Like that's, you got to do stuff outside of the actual mechanics of the game. I feel like to, to yeah. drive that home. And that's just taking it above and beyond, like on a day that you're not even playing, like, you know, doing something freaky like that. That's awesome. What, what was one thing you did, Alex? I mean, this, goes beyond madness you can do this for anything uh what alex did for our cthulhu game which ah, you should post this online or on the website or something but what you could do uh what you did was you typed a letter f- that mm. was our adventure hook from i can't, was it exxon yeah 
Yeah, it was a, a, a faux letter that you had created or printed or something, and it looked so real. And when I got it, I thought you were sharing with us a current event that pissed you off or something. I was like, oh, my gosh, is this actually happening in your area, Alex? And, and it was like, no, 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 this is our adventure hook. And I was like, oh, my gosh, hell yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, you were running a game for uh, Call of Cthulhu game for us at one point, Alex. It was mm-hmm. the um, the one where we were on the ship. On the ship, and, yeah. And the, and there was the derelict ship. Anyway, but you sent us uh, the menu for the cruise ship <clears throat> before the game, and this didn't have to do anything with madness at all. But it was like just totally immersive because it was like, hey, this is all stuff that they ate like in the twenties and thirties. And it's so weird. Like, the dishes are so yeah, yeah. weird. But it was so cool because during the game, whenever a waiter would come up to us and ask, I would I would always know, I can order this drink. And so I would say the drink, and it was just, like, it was totally immersive, and I loved that. And that was, you know, even though it wasn't tied to the horror or the madness mm-hmm. itself, it helped with the overall feeling because I was fully immersed and I knew, you know, these are the things that are on the menu. This is the kind of stuff I can order on this, yeah. you know, cruise liner, basically. Yeah, I think Call of Cthulhu is one of the few games where where props are probably more used than almost any other. Absolutely. Um, yeah. they're, they're very popular, uh, whether it's a photograph, whether it's a note, a letter. Um, uh, some people take it even to more extremes and have, like, physical objects they make. Like, if, especially if doing, like, a convention or something like that. They'll have, yeah. you know, more more uh, tangible items that they can hand out to people. And, and, and yeah, it, it definitely adds to the immersion, especially in... Uh, in something like that where you want people to sort of uh in horror you want you want people to feel it you want people to feel like they're there because um whether it's whether it's horror or insanity or whatever you want to try and uh, you know try and draw that out of the player um uh and uh i suppose that's a good point to bring up too is that um there is there is some caution to be taken especially when dealing with things like insanity to make sure that you you're players are all okay with what you're going to be doing yes because uh you know some people do have you know uh you know uh uh, mental issues and and, uh uh, things like that that can be triggered by by certain things now ideally you know someone like that probably shouldn't be playing call of cthulhu but you know (laughs) it's good if you're going to be running a game that that has you know some heavy um psychological uh yeah. locations you want to talk to your players about it to make sure that they are you know that there are there isn't anything you really shouldn't touch on yeah, yeah. If, someone ha- if someone has a genuine paralyzing phobia of something you know it's uh probably not a good idea to go for that necessarily for sure. like if someone just tells you oh, i hate spiders you know and, and it's but it's clearly not like debilitating then yeah you can throw some spiders in to make them feel creepy or whatever but you know <laughs> i have a, a pretty good example actually with, with that fate game i was talking about these players mm-hmm. are playing as themselves and mm-hmm. i talked i had this conversation before the game and my buddy mike came up and he's like i i just don't want you know because he has kids and he says i don't want anything uh, to happen to my kids like yeah, I, I my kids gotcha. have got to be safe and so that was kind of a thing that that makes uh, sense yeah yeah so definitely have that conversation i think with you know, almost any psychological game, you know, it's, yeah. it's always, or any game period, it's good to have that convo beforehand. Absolutely. It is, but it can, it can, but it can get, certainly get more um, crazy with something like Call of Cthulhu because, uh, especially, like, the game I'm running is, is set in the modern era. And so it has a higher, 
degree of realism to it for people. Like yeah. in, in D&D, <clears throat> you know, if you're fighting orcs and dragons, it's abstract enough where, you know, it's where you can be detached from it, you know. Yeah, it, it, yeah. it can be scary, but it's, it's not that scary. But if you're sitting in a diner and, and, and some creepy guy is sitting across staring at you, and and he, he has a you know he has a picture you know a picture of you that he's tearing in half as he's like locks eyes with you or something like, you know that that's <laughs> that can that can uh, be very disturbing to it to people who are you know you know not ready for it right yeah for sure um, so oh go ahead Matt. I actually I just wanted to I wanted to toot my own horn a little bit and loop back Ooh. around to something that Alex was talking about previously which was the props aspect mm, and yeah. including props in a game. So the last Call of Cthulhu campaign I ran, I didn't give the players character sheets. I gave them dossiers. Uh, basically, Sweet. each player nice. had a legal folder, like a brown legal folder with a big confidential stamp on the front of it. Like I, I bought a stamp, a big confidential <laughs> stamp and a red ink pad and stamped all over awesome. it. And they opened it up and it was instead of a character sheet, I basically I made it look like it was been typed out with a typewriter. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had I took a, a, a photo of what their character looked like, and I paper clipped it inside of there, and so it literally looked like a government file that, like a, a federal nice. agent would be flipping through, you know. And so, and it had things like, uh, here's notable NPCs, here's a, a map of your headquarters, you know, just a bunch of useful stuff that they could use. And uh, but I just I went above and beyond for that, and all of the players just loved it, and they loved yeah. having their little dossier, and whenever they would get. Uh, a note or a letter or a puzzle, they would save it in their little dossier. They would tuck it away into their little, you know, folders. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the campaign, they're all emptying out their folders and it's like, hey, remember that? That was a a statue you guys found in session one. And, oh, there's a puzzle you solved in session three. And it was just so cool having all of that. And it was so much work and I'll probably never do it again. (laughs) But it it was rewarding having the players enjoy it and take to it as much as they did. That sounds awesome. I'm definitely going to be doing that soon. I'll have to, I still have them sitting around yeah. somewhere. I'll have to take a couple pictures. You know, one of the things I'm going to be doing pretty soon is uh, is kicking off a live play podcast, an actual play uh, with my home group because I'm graduating from college on May 6th, and we're just going to do one shots. You know, uh, I think the first game we're going to play is The One Ring and then nice. Fate of the Norns and Cthulhu and stuff. And I'm definitely going to do a bunch of stuff like that. I'm really excited for that. But uh, So I have we have a little bit of an issue here, gentlemen. Yeah. Do we? Yeah, there have been – well, hold on one second – so there are two questions that are tied for the top spot on our questions, right? If you go to facebook.com slash roll up and die every week, uh, <laughs> usually on Monday or, you know, usually on Monday, we will post a question and the uh, or, or excuse me, we'll post our topic that we're going to talk about. And you can ask a question in the comments and the one with the most likes gets answered. Um, and here we have a tie. But they're both questions that we've already kind of answered. Uh, um. you know, uh, the first one's a two-parter, and the first one is, you know, what's the most batshit crazy thing you guys have done? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So we kind of talked about that a little bit. Uh, and the second part of the question is, how do you emulate a progressive increase of madness as well as a desensitization to said madness? Oh, and, man. you know, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, desensitization, but... 
when it comes to progressive increase of madness, do you, can you guys think mm-hmm. of any other better way to do it other than you know or change the a mixture of change the stat on your character sheet and kind of screw with the player a little bit more? I think a like if you're looking for an easy way to do it as a as a game master, do you know have a have it be a goal that once per session I'm going to do something related to this character's madness. I'm going to remind them mm, that they have yeah. something going on, whether it be a a weird hallucination or <laughs> something that they just see, kind of see out of the corner of their eye or a voice in their head or something like that. And then as they progress do it more often twice per yeah. session three times yeah. per session you know and just yep. make it keep it at the forefront of their mind that this is happening to them yeah yeah you you could also add things well there's two things you could add something tangible in the game such as maybe they see this figure that out of the corner of their eye and they start to see them more and more you know or you know more often or you know uh like kind of a, a specter that is that is haunting them that kind of thing like donnie darko um, syndrome yeah, kind of like that. <laughs> the other thing would be to um, maybe there's a way to do it in, uh, in you know in 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 real life. In other words, like uh, I, I I was reminded of the Jenga tower of from uh, um, Dread, yeah, uh, from Dread, yeah. So maybe 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 you can like uh, you know stacks you know stack things stack something up in front of the in front of the player. To, to, to as an illustration of their madness, you know, you get yeah. new, you get something new stacked up on it, and just see this this slowly growing little teetering tower where you know every time someone bumps the table or or whatever, the thing kind of like teeters a little bit, and you right. know it's kind of a representation of their madness. Um, you know, you could if if you're doing an in person game, you could do something more kind of tangible like that, and, and play on that that tension, you know. Yeah. That uh, that idea that this this tall teetering tower, and maybe something happens when it falls. You know, maybe the you could uh, have something where the 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 character has a break when that tower falls. You know, and and they have an episode. <laughs> you know, yeah, where right. they just lose it for a while, um, and then maybe put the tower back together and, you know, after talking to someone and, you know, so you can, you can kind of play around with things like that. Yeah. Cool. A little uh, outside of the game mechanics. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it can, it can, it can add some physical tension, um, you know, to the player and it gives a kind of a visual representation of it to them as well. So other than just numbers, which are kind of abstract. Yeah. And I don't say this often enough. Dread is my favorite role playing game system. That's just the best RPG out there. I think. For what it does, it's awesome. I, yep. I, I love you, you just that the tension it builds is just fantastic. Can't beat it, you know. And 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 and, and the testament to that is is watching it played on on uh, tabletop with Will Wheaton because that's watching someone play it and it was tense. You yeah, know? right. <laughs> you, you'll yeah. never realize that your home group could form the world championship Jenga team until you run Dread. That at which point you're like, dude, how yeah. are you guys so freaking good at Jenga? I didn't know this. <laughs> because my sanity depends on it. After a while, you're like, you know what? If you guys just want to watch the shit hit the fan, feel free to just knock the tower over, and they'll do it. Yeah. Um, the next question that we had was uh, about. Uh, found it. I've always thought that madness is something that is on the character to make real through role play. As a GM, is there anything you can do? For example, telling one player that they see or hear something, but the yeah. rest of the party can't. You know, I, I loved your idea, Alex, the television set. 
you know you see your you see the your name uh uh, you know, uh, let's say I'm, I'm the character. You see Michael Barker is going to die scrolling along the bottom of the news feed. And I look, what does it say? No, it says 47 American troops were killed in Mosul today. You know, something like that. Yeah. And it's like, right. what? What the hell? And just something to really blow the player's mind. And I think after a while, they'll take the baton and start role-playing the crazy person too. Absolutely, yeah. They'll start to, to make up stuff they see because... You know, like like in any game, if you if you give if you give the players enough um, uh, agency like that, they'll they'll do far worse themselves than you could ever think to do to them. Yep, that's exactly <laughs> right. So, um, for the idea that you can steal, uh, I have an idea. Unless you guys have an idea, I do this so many times. Like, hey, I got something. Unless you guys want to, do you guys have any ideas? <laughs> no, if you got yeah, one, man, yeah, let's yeah, run with yeah. it, dude. I let's got one. It. It's it's going to be difficult, but I think we can do it. Right. Is it going to be maddening? <laughs> Hardy har 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 har. No, I think it's going to be great. And what okay. what I would like us to do <clears throat> is create an insanity mechanic. Ooh. A oh, mechanic to use that you can mm-hmm. use in any, you know, role-playing game and yeah. uh and have it be good, hopefully good. Okay. <laughs> it might right. Hey, here's the here's the oh, uh, Here's gonna make a crappy one again. Damn it! Yeah, no. Here's the the preface to this. Uh, it might be a <laughs> shitty idea you can steal. So you know, but that that's what we do here. Uh, Matthew. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, you have the dice. I don't, I'm in the studio now, so I don't have any dice in here. I do. I have my double double d six here. Here we go. So uh, one to two is Barker. Three to four is me. Five to six is Alex. That is a three. Okay, that's me. Um, so here's what I'm thinking. Uh, there's a video game called Darkest Dungeon uh, that has mm-hmm. a kind of it's called a it's called stress, but it's basically sanity, and it's uh, designed so that the longer a character spends time in the dungeon, the less sane they are, but also the better they are at like killing monsters and stuff. So with this sanity mechanic, I want to take kind of take a note from that, and I want it to be something where it's a, it's like a teeter-totter. Like, your sanity goes down, but something else goes up. I want there to be some sort of benefit to it, whether it be you're better at dealing with monsters or you unlock certain, uh, maybe it's based around magic. Maybe you have to lose sanity in order to learn magic. Uh, I like that idea. So That's cool. Just a very basic idea. I want there to be some sort of benefit with this. So I'm going to throw it to you guys to kind of narrow that down. But I want it to be where you lose sanity but gain something else in, like, equal measure. Uh, almost cool. to the point where you can kind mm-hmm. of design your character based around that idea. So, okay. One to three is Barker. Mm-hmm. Four to six is Alex. That is another three. Barker, that's you. Awesome. Uh, so I like the idea of, you know, you lose what you said, you lose sanity, but you gain magical ability. I like that a lot. Mm. But uh, but I'm not going to say that one. I'm going to leave it for Alex to choose. I just wanted to pat you on the back, Matt. That's a really awesome idea. Okay, cool. <laughs> what I think would be cool is the teeter-totter, the way this is represented on the sheet, is actually through tokens. And mm. when you... Uh, lose you have your sanity pile of tokens maybe you start with five tokens when you lose a sanity point you whether it's for magic or whatever you have to give that token to another player and that player will spend that token at some point has to spend that token to narrate something say something or do something 
that is perceived as insane to the for the other character. For example, uh, for example, let's say Matt, you lose a, a point of insanity uh, or sanity, and you give that token to me. Later on in the game, I'll do that Wolf Blitzer thing, bleeding from his eyes narration. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the so the players are working together to kind of create this insane experience for that one particular character who's losing their sanity. Very cool. I like that. Okay. One through six is Alex. That's a one. So, Alex, that's you. Oh, oh man. <clears throat> uh, yeah, okay. So, we'll, we'll go with the magic idea. So, um, I like, I, I think that's a very cool idea, too. Um, so, uh, maybe the, 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 the realm where magic is sort of drawn from is, is so, so strange to us. It's so alien that we can't sort of see it all at once because it will drive us mad. And so um, these these casters, they have to sort of step um, very, very slightly into the, into this realm um, where they ha- where they have to experience things. They uh, uh, they they so they, they they kind of hallucinate uh, when 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 they when they sort of uh, slightly phase into this other um uh, dimension, if you will, you know, and, and so they, they, they sort of begin to see things around them that it begin to kind of close in on them. Um, and they can feel things crawling on them. Uh, things, you know, the ground below them disappears and, and, um, and only then can they draw upon the magic and the more powerful the magic, the deeper they have to go into this, um, uh, this, this alternate, uh, reality. And so, uh, the, uh, the mechanic for that basically is the more powerful the spell, uh, the more sanity you have to sort of pour it, you know, be willing to risk. Right. Um, and, and lose part of yourself in that reality. Uh, you know That's what? awesome. And I think what we've just done, and Alex, what you've really just driven home is we've just created kind of a world where magic is dangerous and magic users are feared because they're just this... You, they're loose cannons because they yeah. have to be. It's it's a tool of the trade, right? Yeah, I I think that was a cool idea you could steal. I, yeah. I yeah, it's kind of it's we've never done something like mechanical like that, so that's cool. Yeah, yeah, awesome. yeah and, and 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 I like what you were saying, Barker. It didn't occur to me when I was saying it, but yeah, that that would make wizards really dangerous to yeah. use. Yeah, because mm-hmm. like you know, do it. It, it reminds me of. Uh, uh, you know, in in the uh, like uh, Red Dragon, where um, the, he has to go talk to Hannibal Lecter to uh, <laughs> to 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 catch the serial killer. So mm-hmm. it's like I, I have to risk going to talk to this guy in order to get this guy. You know, that kind of thing. That's awesome. So, yeah, yeah. And I like the idea. Also, maybe the only way to gain sanity back is to not use magic for a time, and mm-hmm. so you know the cost. You know the cost uh, of casting that freaking fireball or maybe if you know opening that portal to that magical realm that you were talking about alex really cool yeah i'm gonna steal that idea because it's allowed (laughs) it's in the name (laughs) just steal it actually that would be a really cool mechanic for uh it like if you were doing a DD campaign uh for psionics oh Oh, yeah yeah. you know because it already involves the mind so right yeah no that's a that's awesome Awesome. Well, thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in to Roll Up and Die, your clinically insane RPG podcast. My name is Barker. 
And my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. And I know we talk about this every once in a while on our podcast, but be sure to check out Critical Hit Publishing on DriveThruRPG and Absolute Tabletop on DriveThruRPG or AbsoluteTabletop.com. We got a bunch of work out there that we had a lot of fun putting together, and uh, and I think uh, this is uh, I think you'll enjoy our stuff. Um, so thank you all very Indeed. much for tuning in, and um, as always, remember that your skin is coming off. Wait, what, Matt? I said, and as always, remember that we record every Monday. What did you think I said? I'm losing it. (laughs) I'm going slightly mad. (laughs) Just very slightly mad. This show has been produced by Roll Up and Die and is copyright 2016. It is owned by all three of the primary hosts. The games, movies, and other super awesome properties mentioned in this show are the property of their respective owners. Stealing sucks. You can find all three of the primary hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt is at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Barker is at youtube.com slash be a better game master. And both of their work can be found at absolutetabletop.com. Captain Gothnog is at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog. And his work can be found on drive RPG via Critical Hit Publishing. Listeners are free to use this show in any way, shape, or form as long as credit is provided to the Roll Up and Die RPG podcast. Look for other releases of the show on Facebook.com slash RollUpAndDie, iTunes, and RollUpAndDie.Podbean.com. Have a fantastic day, and as always, happy gaming. <laughs>